again, blowing toward right field. If Alex could find something to pull, get it in the air, he would get some help. Familia's next pitch. Belted to deep center. Back goes Lagares. And gone, Alex Gordon. And comes the pitch. Broken bat, one hopper to third. And over to first in time. Runner going to try to score. Wild throw. Hosmer gambling that he could dash home on the throw to first base. And the Royals have tied the game. For the very best in baseball, this is the place you want to be. Welcome into the Locked On Royals podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. On today's show, I'll be discussing my Hall of Fame ballot, reacting to who got into the Hall of Fame, and we'll also talk about Alex Gordon. Let's start off with my Hall of Fame ballot. If I had a ballot that was, of course, real, this is obviously fake, I would have voted for Derek Jeter, obviously. I mean, the captain of the Yankees, all that he's done. While I I do think that some people overrate Jeter a bit, he's not the best to ever do it at the shortstop position by any means. He is a very good player. He is deserving of a Hall of Fame vote. He is deserving of a first ballot nomination. I'd also vote for Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens. I think that the steroid thing is getting too caught up in in the cheating aspect of it. I mean, you still... It's not like the Astros cheating where they knew it was coming and it got even easier. They still had to perform on the field. Yes, they cheated, but you can't tell the story of baseball, which is what the Hall of Fame should be. The Hall of Fame should be telling the story of baseball from the start To the end, whenever baseball happens to end, which probably is never. But you cannot tell that story without Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and guys like that. Sammy Sosa. So I would absolutely vote for them. And if you want to put them in their own wing of the steroid era, or if you want to add on their plaque that they took steroids, which was against the rules, uh, therefore they cheated, that's fine with me as well. But I think that Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and Sammy Sosa should all get in. I'd, I'd vote for all three of those guys. I'd also vote for Kurt Schilling. While you can disagree with his politics all you want to, again, this is about the story of baseball, not the Hall of Morality, in my opinion. I think that while his political opinions on Twitter could, could dissuade your personal opinion of him, in terms of the baseball player... He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. You can hate him all you want to. I don't I don't begrudge anyone who doesn't like him due to his political stances whatsoever. I think that you're well within your right and you are in the right in that sense. But when we're talking about the Hall of Fame, it's all about their baseball career. So I'd put Kirk Schilling in there as well. Of course, I already said Sammy Sosa lumping in with Barry Bonds and 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 uh Roger Clemens. And then my wild card pick, which I don't know how many will agree with this, but Manny Ramirez. I think he was a very good ball player. I think what he did for the game of baseball was awesome. Manny being Manny, he captivated the nation yet again. He got people invested in baseball, and he was also a good player. He wasn't just a gimmick. Yasiel Puig is a gimmick. He had one good year, and ever since then, he's living off of his personality. And all power to him, it's making him stay in the league longer. But Manny Ramirez could actually play, 
and then he actually had the personality. And I think that pretty soon, that's what guys like what that's what guys like Acuna will do for the Braves. They have the personality, they have the talent, and they'll have a very long career and be fan favorites because they're going to get people interested in the game of baseball again. So that's my ballot. Derek Jeter, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, Sammy Sosa, and Manny Ramirez. Who actually got into the Hall of Fame yesterday was, of course, Derek Jeter and Larry Walker. Derek Jeter missed out on being unanimous by one vote. And a lot of people are upset at this one person who didn't vote for Jeter, which, to my knowledge right now, we still don't know who it is. But he's still a first ballot Hall of Famer, and that's all that matters. Is it cool to say you're unanimous? Sure. But everyone knows the credence of of Derek Jeter's Hall of Fame career. And I don't think it really matters in the long run. I think it matters maybe for Jeter. He can't say he's unanimous now because of one guy. And that does suck that one guy decided to go rogue. It'd be a little bit different if he missed out by you know three or four that didn't vote for him. But the fact that it's only one person who didn't vote for him, it, it's, it's kind of disheartening for Derek Jeter in the sense of you would have loved to have that accomplishment. However, on the flip side, I do understand how some Hall of Fame voters do their ballot. If Derek Jeter is for sure going to get in, which we all knew he was whenever he was on the ballot, let me vote for someone else and try to keep them on the ballot so that way they can keep moving along and maybe in a year where there's not Derek Jeter, he can get in. He can get enough votes to get in. So it's a strategy in the sense of we know Jeter's getting in, but we don't want guys to fall off the ballot, guys who might deserve it. Because if you don't get a certain percentage, you fall off the ballot. So you want to keep their percentages high, and if you run out of spots, you might as well take off Jeter because you know he's going to get in. It sucks that it was only one guy that did that. I'm sure that he thought when he was filling out his, his, his ballot that more people would do that, but instead it was only the one guy. But nonetheless, Larry Walker gets in on his last year of eligibility. It's always cool to see guys you know, come down to the wire like that and, and just barely get in. Uh, Larry Walker on Twitter didn't even think he would get in earlier the, uh, yesterday afternoon, and then he got the call. And he was in. That was awesome to see. So the Hall of Fame again. Getting in is Derek Jeter and Larry Walker. Let me know who you would have voted for on your personal Hall of Fame ballot on Twitter. At Ryland underscore Styles. Again, that's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. And after our first break, we're going to talk about Alex Gordon. So the Alex Gordon saga is finally over. The two sides were getting close to a one-year deal all throughout the weekend. And really all throughout the offseason. In fact, Dayton Moore went as, as far to publicly beg for Alex Gordon to come back at the winter meetings. And they said all along they wanted this deal to get done by FanFest, which happens on Friday and Saturday. So, it gets done on Wednesday. He signs a one-year, $4 million deal to return to the Royals for presumably one last season. I'm sure he'll announce that at FanFest this weekend. I like the move. It solidifies the outfield. Your outfield is going to be Alex Gordon in left, Whit Merrifield in center, Hunter Dozier in right. I like the move. I've said all along that I like the move. I just didn't like how long this process was taking to get here. But Alex Gordon, if he can try to duplicate the first half of the season he had last year, that would be going a long way in my prediction of this lineup being a pretty competitive one. But they need Alex Gordon to perform as he started out the year last year. You know what you're going to get from him in the outfield. There's going to be a ton of, of special Alex Gordon nights and tributes and things like that as he winds down his career as a baseball player and also, of course, as a Kansas City Royal. 
We can talk later about if he should have his number retired, if he should have a statue. I think he'll for sure have a statue in the outfield of him rounding first of, on, of course, the, the home run against the Mets in the World Series. But he's back, again, one year, $4 million for Alex, for Alex Gordon. I like the move. It solidifies the outfield. Good ball player, and it's going to be fun to send him off the way he should be. He should get a final goodbye tour from Kansas City. I'm not sure, as I mentioned on the first time we talked about Alex Gordon, if he'll get this whole goodbye tour from everyone in baseball. I think probably within the division, they realize how good of a ball player he is, and they'll give him a nice send-off. But I think, really, you're going to have a lot of special nights at the K where it's just honoring Alex Gordon, especially in that final homestand of the year. So he's back one one year, $4 million. I'm assuming and predicting that at FanFest he will announce this is his final his, his final year and he's not going to come back again and, and this is a, a send-off tour. So that'll be fun to keep up with on FanFest, which again is happening on Friday and Saturday. I don't expect much news to come from that. Michael Franco was just added to the lineup of, of ballplayers who you can go out and watch. I mean, not watch, but you can go out and talk to and get autographs from and see on FanFest. So that's good. You know, the new third baseman of your Kansas City Royals. The only interesting thing that could happen at FanFest is the media will be there, so they'll be able to ask questions, interview guys, maybe get a couple good quotes. And, of, of course, they're going to talk to Dayton Moore as well, which is always fun to listen to. Dayton Moore is actually a pretty good interviewer, uh, interviewee, I guess. Uh, he always tells it like it is, and I like to hear his opinion on what he thinks of this team. Let's end the show out with the Royals Players of the Year in 2019. The Royals announced this yesterday. Your hitter of the year is Jorge Soler. Of course, he had an awesome year. Of course, winning the AL Home Run Championship, leading the league in home runs. It really was between him and Whit Merrifield. Whit Merrifield earned the Special Achievement Award, again, leading the AL in hits, leading baseball in hits. He's been a special player for the last couple years. He deserves that award. And then Ian Kennedy is your pitcher of the year. Ian Kennedy transitioning into that bullpen role was crucial for this team last year, and he deserved that award. I mean, the way that a veteran like him who's been around for so long was able to change his role, adapt his role, be a good teammate about it, be a good guy about it, and then on top of all of that, on top of not making any drama or fuss or fight, he becomes a very good pitcher out of the bullpen, a very good closer, one of the top save-getters in baseball. He deserves that Pitcher of the Year award for sure. I like Brad Keller, of course, but Ian Kennedy does deserve it. Let me know who you think will win next year's Hitter, Pitcher, and Special Achievement Awards on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. So the Mets hired an outside manager. We'll end the show with this non-Royals topic as we try to do hit some broader baseball news at the end of every show. The Mets hired Luis Rojas to be their next manager to a multi-year deal. I believe he was their bench coach last year. I had to check that again. But I, I know he was on their staff in some capacity last year. And I think the year prior as well. But he is going to be the new manager for the Mets. They're, they did not go outside the organization. The Astros and Red Sox are still searching. They are still looking for their manager. The, the Astros seem very, very interested in going outside their organization and going towards a guy like Dusty Baker or someone, someone like that again. We mentioned this on the last show. I like Ron Washington a lot. He's not getting any consideration. 
They're, the Astros are looking at Jeff Bannister, which I don't agree with. I mean, he's a failed Rangers manager who had a nice start to his career and then tailed off and, and just kind of couldn't keep pace with, with the game of baseball today. Maybe he's learned their lesson. Of course, the Royals made that same hire this offseason, hiring Mike Matheny, who had a good start to his career and then tailed off and couldn't keep up with baseball, couldn't handle a locker room, couldn't figure out the advanced metrics, couldn't figure out how the game works nowadays, and they're hoping that he revitalizes his career and he's learned from that. But I don't like banking on that whenever you have guys like Ron Washington who's proven that he can he can handle the analytics and he can look at them and balance the analytics with just the baseball mind. I would prefer the Ron Washington hire if I was the Astros, but I would not like Jeff Benisher. I think, that's, I think him and Josh Gammons are the only two guys if they hire I will be out on. I can see the argument for Dusty Baker. I can see the argument for Bruce Bochy, I guess. Buck Showalter, eh. Once we get into the Bruce Bochy and, and Buck Showalter, I, I, I get kind of hesitant. But I do like Dusty Baker. I do like Juan Washington. Uh, and then there's, there's a few other guys in there that, that you could hire. I think it's going to be hard to steal away guys who are already on, on staff. So like Don Wakamatsu, Pedro Grafal. I think those are two guys who are in line to get managerial jobs pretty soon. But I don't think that they're going to leave their team this offseason, this late in the offseason. I think next offseason they'll be in line to get some some pressing managerial jobs. And I mentioned that on Twitter. With three jobs opening up right before spring training, and we haven't even completed the baseball season yet, I don't think Pedro Gafal is back in Kansas City next year. And I love Pedro Gafal, and I think that he deserves an opportunity to be a manager. I think that this offseason, you know, after the 2020 season, I think this offseason after this, is the chance for Pedro Gafal to be a manager. I think that he will get his shot, and hopefully he takes advantage of it. I would have loved the Royals to hire him this offseason. I would have loved Pedro Gafal to be the manager of the Kansas City Royals instead of Mike Matheny. But it didn't happen. We'll see if Mike Matheny can right his wrongs. We'll see how the Astros handle their managerial search. The Astros owner said that the players are going to apologize for the sign-stealing scandal at spring training, which is an interesting thing to think about right now while we don't have any context of that. Are they going to all line up on the foul line and just go down the line of, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's pretty interesting, but we'll see how that all works out. Now, on Friday's show, send me your questions on Twitter. I'll answer them I'll answer them on Friday's show at Ryland underscore styles on Twitter. That's at R-Y-L-A-N-S-T-I-L-E-S. We'll also be discussing the fact that robo umpires have finally become a real thing and MLB is going to have spring training robot umpires. And I cannot wait to discuss that and see how that's all gonna work once we get into spring training here in a couple weeks. So let me know. All your opinions on the Hall of Fame, Alex Gordon, the Royals Player of the Year for 2020, and also any questions you may have for the Friday mailbag edition of the Lockdown Royals Podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Be good and be good to one another, and we'll see you again on Friday.